three things you got to watch out for, and that is the misinterpretation of scriptures. We I think we covered that enough. If it's anything misinterpreted, in other words, you, you may not know that it's misinterpreted. If you don't know, you don't know. You can't stop it if it's misinterpreted, unless you know it's misinterpreted. But if you know what somebody said and and they give you scripture, they may give you the wrong scripture. A lot of people know what they're thinking about, but if it is not backed up by the Word of God, you're in trouble. The second thing that you've got to watch out for is the misapplication of the Scriptures. Sometimes people will apply and try to get you to apply something, and it's not right. It may be dealing with the Jews, and they, they're claiming it to be dealing with the church. In this case, we're just talking about in our brief little moment of a while ago, they may be talking about preachers and saying it's all right for women preachers. That's a misapplication of the Word of God. It is. And the reason they like that, I was at the jailhouse many times and they would say something like, uh, I said, when you get out of jail, you find you a good church with a good preacher. He said, I got a good one. He said, it's my mother. Oh man, that messes you up. You got to go out and straighten that out. And you're having to straighten out all this junk all the time. And so you've got to watch the misapplication of Scriptures. The third thing is the dislocation of the Scriptures. And when I say that, what they'll do sometimes is they'll, they're putting it in a different period of time. You've got to make sure that what you're talking about in the Word of God is for that period of time. And that's why uh, dispensations are important. You need to know when God spoke. When he means, sometimes God has said things that didn't mean to mean to us right now in this particular time, although it's for us. Somebody said that don't apply to us right now. Well, it may not apply to you, but it's still the word of God, and you need to know it. So that's where you get it. Now we need to settle our hearts on the word of God. We need to settle our hearts on the words of God, and we. When we do that, we're going to be at the place where that God can control everything in our life. Now, let me just give you this right here. Why is it so different today? Why has so many got different ideas? One is our family training. Ever how you was raised as a child, as a young man, as a young girl, your family will have some bearing on your life spiritually for the rest of it. You had a you had a daddy that was ungodly and wicked. You're going to remember that. You're going to remember what he did. If he fought the Word of God, he fought the house of God, he didn't like the church, that will have a bearing on you. If your mother is the same way, it'll have a real bearing. But if you've got a good daddy and a good mother that both of them love God, that will have a greater bearing upon you. And, uh, you know, you'll go down through life thinking about kind of basically what I said when we first got started this morning. Another thing is the environment you're living in. If we was living in a pagan country that they had nothing but un, uh, had gods live with little G's uh, and they worshipped and uh, fed their kids to the alligators and worshipped and uh, sacrificed their children and got into rituals and stuff. That that will have a, a, a bearing upon you about your spiritual life. And, may you, and you never heard a preacher. So the environment you're living in has something. And uh, so that we're watching our environment change with everybody that's come in from this other, these other nations. And uh, we have a lot of stuff. I've watched it in my my lifetime sees things change completely. When I was a boy, I heard everybody talking about the Lord, just about, even the old drunk sometimes would say, you know, I know I need to quit drinking. And he had a desire to, but he just didn't know how to because he didn't come to God. Now, now the, we've come to the place that the church can say, well, you can drink a little bit just as long as you don't get drunk. Yeah. Uh, and, the, you know, you, you you go see people like the uh, whiskey. I mean the Episcopalians. I call them Whiskeypalians because they're bad to drink. And the Catholics with their 
uh, wine that they use in in uh, is is fermented wine, you know, for for communion. You understand? And you see all that, and uh, you even got social drinkers at Baptist churches where they, I've been to people's houses, and they said, "Preacher, you want a beer?" I said, "No, I don't drink." You? No. But the last pastor, uh, he said, yeah, I drink a little, but uh, I don't get drunk. But he says, oh, the last pastor had a beer with me. I said, well, I'm not your last pastor. So I see this all the time. I've been there. And uh, we'll see it, see all this stuff. I'm telling you, it's amazing when we see it. But now, we, we need to get all that straightened out. Then the, not only the training, family training, and uh, not only uh, our environment, but I'll tell you something else will get you warped on your scriptures, and you've got to be careful about this. Yourself. That's prejudice. If you ever get prejudice on anything, if you get prejudice on a, a drunk or a liar or something, you know, and prejudices that we have can affect what we believe about the Bible. It can. Yep. You get hatred in your heart for somebody, it'll change your mind about the interpretation of the Scriptures. Somebody said, no. Yeah, you get a man, oh, I've read where uh, they they said on one side of church and uh, and it, somebody else said something on the other side. I remember this story about a man, they, they both couldn't get along because one had his uh, hog lot too close to the his neighbor's house, to the line, and they couldn't agree. And uh, got all, uh, people had marks in the floor where they, who got there first at church? They loved the piano on the left side, and looked it on the right side. So whoever got there, whoever who got there first, put it on the side they wanted to, and it tore the floor up. You understand? That's prejudice and things of that nature. Well, stuff like that can make you misinterpret the Scriptures. And you live with that, and you're a slave to it, and it's trouble. Then there's a desire that some have that they want the Bible to teach us and tell us oh, something that we want to do that we know is incorrect. Do you understand that? They want it to say what we don't, what it don't say. Many people are trying to find something to back up their sin. Say it's all right. And instead of just taking the Bible and forgetting everything else and taking it. Amen. They want it. We have our own favorite doctrines, you know, as we get into things. Now, turn your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. I had not read much word today. Just been giving you uh, the, the introduction to what we're going to be a teaching. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. And I know I did this the other day. Started doing it a while ago and didn't. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. And you need to get this in your mind. What the Bible says, the Bible says. What the Bible means, the Bible means. What it says, it means. And it means what it says. Can't stress that too strong. 2 Timothy chapter 6, 3.16 says all, all, all. How much is all? All the Bible. All scriptures given by, what's this word? Inspiration. Inspiration of God. Alright? Then it said, and is profitable. For what? Doctrine. For reproof. For correction. For instruction in righteousness. Now what happens, it tells us here that all Scripture is, is given by inspiration of God. God inspired it. The book that you choose has to be an inspired Bible. And I don't know but one it is, and that's the King James. And is profitable for doctrine. Now that profitable tells you, that word profitable tells you that it's good for you, for your doctrine. It tells you the right doctrine. You'll not have the right doctrine unless you get out of the Bible. For reproof. 
it's it been said that proper for doctrine is to tell you what's right. For reproof tells you what's wrong. The Bible tells you what's wrong in your life. It'll not only tell you what's right in your life, but it'll tell you what's wrong. And then it says for correction. That'll tell you how to straighten it out. You want your doctrine right? You follow the Word. And then for instruction in righteousness, it tells us how to stay right with it. You see that? Four areas of our life we need to work on. You need to see that. Now, inspiration. That means that God directed men. He inspired them. They're chosen by Himself. Who who did He choose? Holy men of old. They weren't perfect men of old. They were holy men of old. Amen. Look at men in the Word of God and you find faults in their lives, but they, God allowed them to write and pin down the Word of God. He inspired them. So He put that in, let, He inspired them to put it in writing and uh, give us such messages that He wanted us to hear. He inspired men to write the laws, the commandments, the doctrines, and His uh, historical facts. He wanted us to know at the time that we need to know them. He's given us the revelations as He wished men to know at the time that He wrote them. In other words, the Bible this morning is God-breathed. The Bible is the breath of God. Not me. Not my words. They're not the breath of God. We're going to look at that in a minute. You say you preach uh, with inspiration. I preach with the inspiration of the Scriptures. But I'm not inspired. No preacher is inspired of God. I hear people say, I've been, I'm inspired to do this. I want to talk about this just for a minute. God directed holy men of old to speak as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. In other words, the Holy Spirit done the speaking. God put it in their head, went to their heart, or put it in their heart and come through their head. I guess that's the way it was. But what he done, he pinned down the divine words of God. He told them how to write it. He told them when to write it. And he told them what to write. That makes sense? Amen. The Bible is the Word of God and does not simply contain the Word of God. This Bible this morning is the Word of God. Only thing, and don't, don't ever get to thinking that the chapters and the verses are inspired. They've been added by man. So kind of what I was talking about the other day. Even the headings in your Bible are not inspired. Men put those down. That's why they're all different. Amen. He wrote ten commandments with his own finger, God said. They were wrote with the finger of God. Remember? He wrote to handwriting on the wall to Belshazzar. We've been through that lately. That was the writing of God on the wall. Amen. He told Noah how to build the ark. He gave him the dimensions, and he would not have went through the flood. Noah had to build it just like God wanted it built to fit the criteria to come through the flood. He told Moses how to build the ark of, of the tabernacle. He told he told Noah, I mean, told Moses what materials to use. How big to build it, and everything he gave that, and then you find that he even spoke audibly when Jesus was baptized. Amen. At the Jordan River, you see all that, don't you? Now let's turn to Matthew chapter five. I'm talking about how important this Bible is, and I ain't getting people. And I've had trouble with this for years and years and will continue to have it for years and years if I live. 
Matthew chapter 5. I want you to look at two verses. Chapter 5, 17 and 18. Verse 17 and 18 of chapter 5 of Matthew. He said, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. What's fulfill mean? Carry it to the limit. The law is not, see, everybody says, we're not under law. We're not. But the law is just as important as it's ever been in my life and yours. He is still the schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. It still shows us that we fail and we can't get it right. It takes God. Look at verse 18. God said, or the Lord said, in yours red letter. He said, For verily I say unto you, Till heaven and earth pass, One jot or one tittle Shall in no wise pass from the law Till all be fulfilled. What is one jot and one tittle? The jot is the smallest of all the uh, of anything in the Word of God is of the tittle. It's, a, it's the smallest, and the jot is the smallest letter. It's like the crossing the T and dotting the I. And the Lord said. Uh, it's nothing going to pass till that's all fulfilled. So the whole Word of God is all completely, 100% inspired. Amen. So let's go to Second Peter. I want to go to Second Peter. We're looking at these things. It's a joy to preach a Bible that is real. Amen. I just get so upset. These preachers get up and say, I... Let's go to the Word of God and then read out of some different version. That ain't the Word of God. Another preacher down the road doing something else. And it's not. Amen. So we got to be a man or woman of one God and a man or woman of one Word, one Bible. Got to be. Can't be nothing else. Amen. Now, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, the Bible said, Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, verse 21, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. So you're looking at that and you'll see uh, that God's given us what we need. Huh? Yeah, yeah, no, I was going to leave one more verse to think I was at the wrong place. But I wasn't. Amen. Second Peter. Yep. You're right. I got it down in my notes, Second Peter. Did I say it? I just turned to first. I just turned to Second Peter. All right. Second Peter, chapter number one. One and verse twenty. Yeah, here's what I want in here. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. You have no right to tell what what the Word of God says unless it's right. I don't have a. I can't figure God out, and I can't tell people what I think. My opinion ain't no good. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but, what's this? Holy men, I said what ago, of God, spake as they were what? Moved by the Holy Ghost. Now that's where I wanted to be. Now, I want to go back to the Old Testament to show you that God's held this same view all the way through. So we go to Exodus chapter 4. I'm glad there ain't no second Exodus. I'd be in the wrong place. Exodus 4. Verse 10 through 12. It starts back with Moses. Verse 10, the fourth chapter of Exodus. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, 
I am not eloquent. Neither therefore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant. But I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. That's why they call us ignorant and unlearned men. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing of the blind? Have not I the Lord? Amen. Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. So God can use ignorant and unlearned men if he wants to. Now let's go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah is a very interesting one. I've preached off of this many times. And it's in chapter 1 of the book of Jeremiah. And uh, it's, it's a blessing to see this. Jeremiah chapter 1. <clears throat> Let's read verses 4 <clears throat> down through 10. This is amazing. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 4 says, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, uh, For some future thing that I'm going to talk about later if I have time, Notice what it says, the word, then the word of the Lord came unto me saying. See that? Get that. Came unto me saying. Then verse four, 5 says, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Huh? And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. I'm going to tell you something. God can hear the cries and the desires of children is not born. That's, this is a thing about this abortion deal. Mm-hmm. Them individuals. See, you remember John the Baptist leaped for joy in the womb. Yeah. You see what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And he's telling Jeremiah this. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew you. Mm-hmm. Yep. They said life don't happen to, to the birth. Happens at conception. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I'm a child. But the Lord said unto me, Notice that phrase again. Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. And whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces. For I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Notice the phrase, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. God don't have to have, he, he needs holy men. But he don't have to have, you know, perfect men that's without sin. They need to have forgiven sin. They need to be forgiven of their sin. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down to build and to plant. You've got to destroy everything. And tear. If you're going to build a building somewhere, you've got to tear that building down first and get you a new foundation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why preachers skin hides and all that stuff before you ever get saved. Mm-hmm. How are you going to... I mean, I... Can't build nothing new under you till you get something, get somewhere to put a foundation. Yeah. So we'll look at that now. What I want to try to tell you is this, and this may may get you. Preachers are not in inspired when they're preaching. Get this affixed in your mind. They're not inspired when they're preaching. They are anointed. There's a lot of difference between inspired and anointed. Anointed is the Holy Ghost. You see, and you can't, and that's what God does. He puts that out there. Uh, we we see all this stuff and 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 see it, and uh, the, then I hear people say, well, "What about the last, the lost books, of the Bible?" Yeah. What about them? What about uh, the lost tribes? I hear preachers spend time on the lost tribes. I don't preach on it. What about uh, the scriptures that's been put in the middle 
of the Bible between Malachi and uh, Matthew called the Apothecary or whatever it is. Whatever it is. Apothecary. What about them? We don't have them in our Bible. Why? That's a Roman Catholic thing you put in there. If you got it in your Bible, that's where you got it from. So we don't preach out of it. There's several books in there. Book of the Maccabees. You ever heard preachers preach on the book of the Maccabees says? I don't listen to that junk. Amen. Because it's not inspired of God. That's why I put it in there. That's why you've got to watch out for that. Somebody said, what about the new revelations God's given? Give me some new revelation. Revelation, what's the last word? Somebody look it up if you don't know what it is. Amen. What's the last word of the book of Revelation? Amen. 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 That's through. Done. <laughs> but then a preacher gets up and said, God inspired me and give me this. He may have inspired you, but he didn't give you no added There will not be, cannot be, has not been, nor ever will there be any more Bible written. This is the complete Bible. God's through writing scriptures. Amen. Now that may may, may blow a bomb up in your brain, but we don't need no other scriptures. Why? God's given us the complete mind of Him in these 66 books. Complete books. So all those scriptures supposedly found in the caves, they weren't meant to be in the Bible. That's right. When I went to the Holy Land, I wrote down the 50... 151st Psalm I found over there in in um, the museum in Israel. Sounds a lot like the others, but it didn't get put in the canon. And you don't hear me preach on the 151st Psalm. Alright, and I'll just explain this to you. Paul said in the first chapter of Galatians that if you hear if we are an angel, preach any other thing than what we preach, let him be accursed. Paul is telling us that after John comes along, there won't be any other Bible. That's it. Then the Mormons come along and Moroni stepped out and give him the Book of Mormon. You see what I'm saying? He gave him the Book of Mormon. And they have something else. They count that as the Bible. I told them one time, they said, uh, I, I believe in the King. Oh, we do too. But we also uh, count the Book of Mormon as being of God. And I said, well, if I believe there's half a dozen books, I'd carry them in a wheelbar. If I thought, I'd carry all of them to the pulpit. But the Bible said that they're not inspired. Here comes Jehovah's Witnesses, and they come up with what people say. Matter of fact, well, Seventh-day Adventist, uh, Ellen G. Y., she says that she saw of all the Ten Commandments, that one, uh, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, was brighter than any of the rest of them. And she said, you know, and we've got to do that. So she puts that over above all the Word of God. Amen. When you see all these things and they add it to So I don't get alarmed when I'm hearing people say, somebody said, I dreamed this and I dreamed that and I saw this and I saw... I don't go in dreams and revelations. Now Ezekiel, Daniel, and all the prophets make the same claim. They'll say this. They'll say, the Lord said, the Lord spake, saying, thus saith the Lord... And other phrases like that. I was just pointing them out to you a while ago. These phrases occur 560 times in the Pentateuch by itself. Anybody, anybody want to say who the what the Pentateuch is? First five books of Moses. First five books of Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's the Pentateuch. That's the five books of Moses or what we call the law. 
And it's said in that 560 times that the Lord said, Thus saith the Lord. Amen. 300 times those phrases are mentioned in the historical and the prophetic uh, books. Those are books like Psalms, Proverbs, and uh, in the prophets. 1,200 times in the prophets by themselves, and 24 times alone in the book of Malachi. And all over 2,000 times these phrases are mentioned in the Old Testament. God said, this is what I say, thus saith the Lord, and the Lord said unto me. Amen. So he's telling them that it's inspired. Each of these writers have a different style. Ezekiel was different from Isaiah. Would you say that? Daniel was different than Isaiah and Ezekiel. John and Paul were different from all those. Well, how do you explain it? Kind of explain it like this. When we want a legal document, we go to a lawyer. And the lawyer writes up the, the document in legal terms. If we want to have a poet, a poem, we find us a poet. He's got different terms. But we all get inspired with them. You see what I'm talking about? So when God wants symbols and have symbolic things, He'll raise up an Ezekiel. And you'll see a wheel within a wheel and a fire burning and all that. When He wants uh, something else like that, He'll get Daniel with the images and so forth. John, amen, all of them the same way. When you want poetry, and there are the poetry books of Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Solomon. Then he'll choose a David or a Solomon to give us that. And all that meets our goal. So you got to look at it. Now three things. I ain't gonna, I'm not going to have time to finish these, don't guess. But three things that you need to pay special attention to in the Bible. We've already just talked about one of them. It's called inspiration. It's inspired. We could talk all day on the inspiration of the Scriptures. God breathed. God breathed. It's come out of the mouth of God. But another thing we need to talk about is revelation. And another thing we need to talk about if we have time is illumination. There's a difference between inspiration, revelation, and illumination. And if you don't have those things, you're not going to get all these when I put these dispensations together. Alright. What is Bible revelation? God revealing what we could never have known. If God had... There's a lot of this stuff in this Bible I wouldn't know today had God not revealed it to man. Some of the smartest men and women of the Bible of the world are people who know the Bible. Amen. We may not be able to fire a rocket to the moon. We may not be able to produce this and produce that and manufacture this and manufacture that. But we know what it is to live and how to live for God by the Word of God. What matters anyhow? When it's all said and done, when you get to the end, what does it matter? Where you could have built an automobile and had the best things in the world, finest clothes, best shoes and best occupations are that you belong to the Lord and He belongs to you. What's more important? Going to heaven, going to hell, knowing how to get from heaven to uh, from earth to heaven or knowing how to stay out of hell? Isn't that more important than all the things of life? So call me ignorant and unlearned. Call me what you want to call me. I'll just take the Bible. It'll stay when the world's on fire. We just read that a while ago. Amen. We win. That's right. How about 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 11, when we read that while ago. I'm talking about uh, uh, first, well, it's talking about how the Scripture's given, but at the same time, he tells us how we're to be saved in that verse. But you go to Isaiah 53, and the Old Testament tells us how to get saved. 
through Jesus Christ when he was before his shears amen and he spoke not a word so Bible revelation is God revealing what we don't know now he's revealed to us the hidden mind of God he's revealed to us the mind uh, uh, of men uh, of his plan and of his purpose in the ages he's done that to man God is, we know a little bit about that Bible revelation causes uh, has ceased Bible revelation has ceased let me just say that pretty plain I, I touched on it a while ago but didn't get into it Bible revelation has ceased God is no longer revealing any new things he's re- opening our eyes and understanding that's where illumination comes in he's not revealing somebody get down God revealed to me last night have you ever heard people preach that say I was studying God revealed that to me well that's a misspeak really God illuminates us now he illuminates our minds brings our minds to the attention of it there, there's no revelation anymore revelation finished at the amen in the last chapter of Revelation. Now you may learn something today that you didn't know yesterday and call it Revelation, but God is illuminating you with the revelation He's already given. I can't tell you nothing new under the sun according to Ecclesiastes. Everything's already been there. It's already happened been done but there's been no new revelation since that time of the book of revelation when it's closed if men say they have new revelations they're imposters if they say that they've had a dream or a vision or some angels told them don't believe them they're not right sometimes I tell you God spoke to my heart that's the illumination 53, the 53rd chapter, most precious chapter in the Old Testament. Matter of fact, if you want to win a Jew to the Lord, that's what you need to win him to the Lord with. Because he don't accept the New Testament. Huh? All whole chapter. Yeah, that's all. All that whole chapter is a crucifixion. So then I'll finish up this and then we'll try to find us a place to quit. Uh, we'll find this morning that uh, there's there's revelation, inspiration, and now illumination. And when I say that, it's spiritual illumination. I'm not talking about physical illumination. Spiritual means God has to illuminate you. Illuminate means uh, light up. I was in a church one time and... The, uh, woman in church stood up and she was testifying and she she said I just pray for my pastor I appreciate my pastor I pray for God to eliminate his mind all the time she meant to say illuminate his mind she got all crossed up and I'm saying oh God don't hear her cry don't hear her cry I I want him to illuminate me that means light up my brain where I understand have you ever noticed Sometimes when a preacher, I notice, I notice it more than you do because you don't see it, but uh, you you see the evidence of it. Sometimes I can't remember one scripture when I get in the pulpit, but while I'm preaching, I just quote them word for word. Amen. Sometimes I'll miss one, but most of the time I'll get them verses. God put them there. They're just as plain as day. That's illumination. Now, you might not know that. But if you're a little bit old, you've got a little bit of spiritual... Uh, backlash and it don't come up to par all the time that's all I'll say about that but uh, we'll look at spiritual illumination spiritual illumination is the work of the Holy Holy Ghost in the believer you can't get illumination on a mind that don't know Christ you can't illuminate a drunkard till he gets saved you can save him, he needs salvation. But after 
He's been saved. We're calling that, and that's how God works. That God don't work with lost people to illuminate their mind. The work of the Holy Ghost is in the believer by which he is given spiritual understanding. That's what it simply means. He is indwelt with the Holy Ghost and God opens his mind. I want you to take your Bible and turn to 1 John, please. 1 John chapter 2. John gives us something here that is very interesting. 1 John chapter 2, I want to read two verses, or three. Verse 26 down through 28. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 26, he said, These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. That's those who are trying to pull you to the side, trying to get you to disbelieve the Word of God, to question the Word of God, to doubt the Word of God. They're seducing you, and the devil's got them everywhere to lead you astray. Verse 27 said, But the anointing... See, sometimes people, your friends, will tell you, that's not what the Bible means, this is what it means. And they proceed to tell you what it means. And they're going by what they've heard before, what they've been told, what they've been raised under. Uh, they'll quote what mama told them. But you know what? I appreciate mamas. But don't go down through life. Don't go down through life using what mama said is the Word of God. She'll probably give you things and tell you things that'll change your life to the better till the day you die or the day she dies. But she's not the Word of God. Verse 27, here's what you've got to rely on. But the anointing, is that what I said a while ago? That anointing is what you do when you're preaching, you're anointed. The, The priests were anointed. Without that anointing of the uh, oil that run down Aaron's beard, they weren't qualified to do what they was doing. But the anointing which which ye have received of him, anointing comes from God, abideth in you. In other words, when you got saved, you had the Holy Ghost, got the Holy Ghost, you'll keep the Holy Ghost. It says, and ye... And ye need not that any man teach you. In other words, if you've got that anointing, you don't need to know what somebody else says. God will show you what to do. And if God don't show you what to do, you better leave it alone. But it'll always be backed up with the Scriptures. It will never be contrary to this book. God has never anointed anybody to go opposite that book. But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things and is truth and is no lie and even as it hath taught you you shall abide in him. If there's no word of truth from the Bible in it God did not teach you. In other words you don't have to these people believe that you got to have a great teacher to tell you something. All you need is that anointing. That anointing tells you where to differentiate. And if somebody's misinstructing you, misinforming you, or misteaching you, that anointing will tell you. It'll be down in here. God will teach you in your heart. There's something wrong with this equation. There's something wrong with this statement. God will show you what's right and what's wrong. And now, little children, abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him and his coming. You don't have to worry or be ashamed if you don't know, you think you know, you think you know the truth and you're not positive of it, you'll have confidence over it. And if you're not confident what you're telling about the Word of God, don't tell it. 
hold off. Make sure you know the truth. Amen. You say we got to the time again? How about that? We, as to, I'm going to mention this and we'll quit. Because here's where we're going to be next time. You know what the key factors of knowing about the dispensations and having truth and knowing you got the right truth? God works that through prophecy. So what you believe about the second coming of Christ will tell you whether you're on the right track with God or not. And I can tell that there's so many that are off track. I hear When I hear these people talk about the mark of the beast, I don't hear them talking about it as much now as they did a few months ago. But I still hear them coming up and saying, this is the start of the mark of the beast. You heard me preach a lot, huh? Why do you think it's less now? That they're not talking about it as much. They're talking about uh, what's going to happen to uh, right at that uh, of the mark of the beast. The two things now that they're saying is head. It's out in the public. I don't talk about it much anymore. I've just seen that people just get so weary of it, and it ain't happening like they think it ought to happen. And so I just back off. But the two main things right now that's going on in the world is AI intelligence. They want to know about that and they're wanting to have a, a common currency. They want to have a one world system that will happen before the mark of the beast. But you, it might happen that we have a common currency before we leave. I don't know that. You hear about uh, they want a, a monetary system. They're going to say that your your accounts are no good one day. They want what they call digital currency. Yep. Huh? Have you heard of that? And uh, banks are closing right and left. Amen. And they and that's going to continue. But one day your money won't be worth nothing. I'm believing that the church will be called out of here, but I don't know that for 100% sure. So I don't want to get too upset. And I'm not going to try to discourage people and think and make you think you ought to go get all your money out of the bank. It wouldn't be no problem to me. Ain't got nothing much in there, so it don't make much difference. They'll take it all at once. That's it. And most of y'all probably ain't got a whole lot last you too long anyhow. And if it ain't no work, no good tomorrow, they got it. So what's why, why you worry about today? Start Amen. So, uh, you know, I'm not worrying about them things, but that's the things. But you're hearing so much today, if you listen to this, you're going to hear it so much all around. You're talking about premillennial, postmillennial, and amillennial. Now the premillennials tell us why can't we can't be uh, postmillennials and why we can't be amillennials. The postmillennials tell us why we can't be premillennial and amillennial. The amillennials tell me why uh, neither the postmillennials nor the premillennials are right. So you, you get discouraged with all that. So I would advise you to go back to the Bible and we're going to find out what the Bible says. Get get settled on it. Uh, years ago, I had to make up my mind what was right. And I used the Bible to do it. And I hadn't deviated from it since it started. Matter of fact, I'm more strong on what I started with than I am or I was when I started and everything I've preached, I haven't preached nothing different. I've, some things I've learned a little bit more of, and I can add to it. But I'm preaching the same thing I was preaching when I first started 53 years ago. And a few things I've added to and straightened out. A few things I was wrong on, like that stealing the bride away. Remember that? 
The Lord ain't coming to steal anything. He's coming to get what belongs to him. So, you know, there's a lot of things like that. And and some of the things I said might have appeared to be contradictory, but I still hold to the same thing I held then. Bible's so exciting. I love it. I could sit and do this all day long, every day. It don't bother me. This is good. I know you couldn't, but I can. Praise God. So I've enjoyed it this morning. Appreciate you coming. Thank you. Love you. Amen. I hope it's been a help. Been kind of simple, different. But I think you understand. We've got to have one God, one Bible. Or we're going to be all mixed up. Amen. We're mixed enough, mixed up enough now without having to add to it. Anybody got a question? September the 9th is next. All right. September the 9th. Amen. All right. I appreciate it. This first time we ever had a Bible study that's lasted as long as it has. And I, I, I hope you don't lose sight of it. And uh, I hope that God can keep us going. Increase instead of decreasing. All right? Let's bless it. Dismiss and we'll let you go. I pray God give us a good service tomorrow. Please, rest of the day, pray for tomorrow. Father, give us wisdom and understanding as we are sitting here today and we've been studying the Word of God. Lord, we pray that everything we've said will go over, find a lodging place in our hearts and in our minds. And Lord, may we be straight, strict, and straightforward with everything that's been taught. God, may we hold to the fact of truth. May we not deviate to the right or the left or give us uh, anybody any chance to think that we are compromising, but we take a stand on the Word of God. Add to the church, strengthen it, Touch the service tomorrow. Save a soul. God, we thank you for what you're doing, what you're going to do. In Jesus' precious name today we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.